Welcome to the How to Find Your Purpose course from Plato University. If you're wandering around aimlessly in life trying to figure out what it all means, then this course is for you. Combining psychology and ancient wisdom with modern science and systems thinking, you'll learn to develop passions into purpose, find out who you really are, how to make an impact in this world, and finally feel a sense of fulfillment in your life. If you're ready to live a purposeful life and want to learn the skills to do so, join us at Plato.University for exclusive content and actionable exercises with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. All right, if you were here, my friend, this means that you are on a path to discovering your purpose, to find a meaning for your life, looking for the answer of why we're here and why does any of this matter. And today I'm going to tell you exactly what purpose is and how you can go about finding it. It's pretty hard to look for something if we don't know what we're looking for. So let's first define what purpose is. The best definition in all of my research that I've done on purpose comes from William Damon, one of the world's leading scholars of human development and a professor at Stanford University and director of the Stanford Center for Adolescence. He says that purpose is a stable and generalized intention to accomplish something that is at the same time meaningful to the self and consequential to the world. Within this definition, it highlights two key points. The first is that purpose is a goal of sorts, more far-reaching and more stable than common lower-level goals. Second, purpose may play a part in one's personal search for meaning, but it goes beyond personal meaning and therefore is not strictly synonymous with it. Purpose reaches to the world beyond the self. It applies a desire to make a difference in the world, perhaps to contribute to something to others, or create something new, or accomplish something of one's own. And in many cases, a purpose may not be achievable in one's lifetime. For example, a purpose of abolishing poverty or creating world peace is going to take more than one person to do. But an extremely ambitious goal like that is not necessarily naive. For many, it's a practical source of intense motivation. A true purpose is an ultimate concern. It's the final answer to the question of why. Why am I doing this? Why does it matter? Why is it important for me and the world beyond me? Why do I strive to accomplish this end? A purpose is the reason behind the immediate goals and motives that drive most of our daily behavior. And much of the time, goals and motives come and go because they're immediate directions in our life, not ultimate concerns. They're means to a more important ends. But a purpose is an end in itself, an ultimate goal that drives the shorter term goals. Now it is important to note that short term goals and a long term larger purpose are not unrelated. Studies have shown that where no larger purpose exists, short term goals and motives usually lead nowhere and soon lead to being lost with no direction. Now a purpose can be complex and ambitious, like I want to help nations of Africa find ways to stop the spread of malaria, or they can be more modest and familiar. I want to have a nice family and take care of my children. And they can often change over time, as a person may add new ones or extend their purpose over the years. But it is in the nature of a purpose to endure at least long enough for the person to express commitment to it in action, and usually to make some progress toward accomplishing it. The pursuit of a purpose can organize an entire life, imparting not only meaning and exhilaration, but also motivation for learning and achievement. And many of the great philosophers of our time, they knew this idea about purpose being an organizing idea. In fact, Nietzsche even called a purpose an organizing idea, something that was a central theme for one's life. 
He said the organizing idea that is destined to rule our lives keeps growing deep down. It begins to command. Slowly it leads us back from side roads and wrong roads. It prepares single qualities and fitnesses that will one day prove to be indispensable. In our lifelong pursuit of a purpose, it's going to help us give direction to our lives. And every experience that we have adds a little bit more progress towards that purpose. But purpose is also important for other reasons. In fact, neurobiologically, purpose alters the brain. It decreases the reactivity of the amygdala, decreases the volume of the medial temporal cortex, and increases the volume of the right insular cortex. What does this mean for you? Well, a less reactive amygdala translates to less stress and greater resilience. The medial temporal cortex is involved in many aspects of perception, suggesting that having a purpose alters the way in the brain filters incoming information, while a larger right insular cortex has been shown to protect against depression and correlate with a significant number of well-being measures. All of these changes seem to have a profound impact on long-term health as having a purpose in life has been shown to lower incidence of stroke, dementia, and cardiovascular disease. Additionally, from a performance standpoint, purpose boosts motivation, productivity, resilience, and focus. In fact, purpose shifts our attention off ourselves, that internal focus, and puts it onto other people and the task at hand, an external focus. And by having this focus shift, purpose can help guard against obsessive self-rumination, which is one of the root causes of anxiety and depression. More technically, purpose seems to decrease the activity of the default mode network, which is the brain network that often is in charge of rumination, and to increase the activity of the executive attention network, which is the network that governs external focus. But of course, there's even one more greater benefit to purpose. Purpose acts as a rallying call, inspiring others and attracting them to your cause. And this is going to have an obvious impact on drive. Social support provides even more neurochemistry, which provides an even greater boost of intrinsic motivation. And more crucially, other people are going to provide actual help. That may be financial, physical, intellectual, creative, emotional. All of these are going to matter on your path to purpose. Now, at this point, you may be saying, yes, this is great. This is why I started listening to this course, is to find this sense of purpose in my own life. Please tell me how to get it. Where can I find my purpose? Well, here's the secret that nobody else has probably told you. You don't find your purpose. You develop it. See, we get to choose what we're passionate about. We get to choose how we see the world and how we're going to interpret the experiences that we have. And a perfect example of this is the bricklayer parable. Someone walks up to some bricklayers that are laying bricks and asks, what are you doing? The first bricklayer says, I'm laying bricks. The second bricklayer says, I'm building a church. And the third bricklayer says, I'm building the house of God. In this example, you can see the first bricklayer has a job. The second has a career. But the third, they have a calling, a purpose for what they're doing. Now, many of us would like to be the third bricklayer, but instead identify with the first or second. And it's important how you begin interpreting the experiences of your life. If you look at things just like tasks or jobs, you see them as a necessity of life, much like breathing or sleeping, but they're not bringing you much energy. If you start looking at the work and the experiences that you do as a career, you view your job primarily as a stepping stone to other jobs, to reaching some goal far off into the future. But when you start viewing the work that you're doing as a calling, it becomes one of the most important things in your life. In the parable of the bricklayers, everyone has the same occupation, but their subjective experience, how they themselves viewed their work, couldn't be more different. 
a lot of people assume that you need to find your calling. And that brings up a lot of anxiety that comes from the assumption that your calling is like a magical entity that exists in the world, waiting to be discovered. This is also how people mistakenly think about interests. They don't realize that they need to play an active role in developing and deepening their interests. A purpose is not something that's fully formed that you can go out and find. It's more dynamic. Whatever you do, whether you're a janitor or the CEO, you can continually look at what you do and ask how it connects to other people, how it connects to the bigger picture, how it can be an expression of your deepest values. In other words, a bricklayer who one day says, I'm laying bricks, might at some point become the bricklayer who recognizes, I'm building the house of God. Nietzsche famously wrote that God was dead, meaning all the things in life that gave us meaning before, we were going to have to develop for ourselves. Society was no longer going to give us this. And although society tries to give us a standardized template, it's often devoid of meaning. We don't understand why we're going through it. It's just being shoved down our throats, being told to go forth with it. But Nietzsche felt we could escape that chaos. We could replace the struggle for survival with the will to power, the battle for self-actualization, for self-creation and self-overcoming, for mastery, excellence, and meaning. In other words, all the things that used to come from God must now come from us. It becomes our job to create our own meanings. And this often means we're rejecting that standardized template. A purpose is multidimensional and dynamic and crucially under your control. A purpose is not something to be followed, but something that's developed by you. And this doesn't mean following the one motive or interest that burns hottest inside you, but rather it's a process of deliberately leveraging as many motives and values and interests that you have. The more of those you can identify and harness, the greater your engagement will be with your life. And this means you must pursue a deeper understanding of yourself. By doing so, your purpose becomes infinitely flexible, since different opportunities will activate different sets of your values and micromotives. This adaptability imbues your purpose with something it lacks in the standardized mindset. Sustainability over time. The adaptability of a developed purpose allows you to adjust to changes in your motivational profile by seeking out new opportunities that harness new combinations of your interests. But a purpose is not only a reliable source of energy to act, it's also a wellspring of personal authenticity. When you get a full understanding of yourself and embrace all of your values, your strengths, your weaknesses, your interests, your motives, and you begin following that, you put a stake in the ground that announces to the world, this is who I truly am. At the most basic level, developing a purpose goes from a process of discovering yourself and what your interests are and engaging in those interests, learning a little bit about them until they become a passion. Once you have that passion, you begin putting it in service of others trying to help other people in the world. And that's when it becomes a purpose. Remember, if you return back to our definition, a purpose is something that's meaningful to the self and consequential to the world. But let's discuss those steps a little more in depth so that you have a roadmap for you to start developing your own purpose. Step one in the path to developing your purpose is curiosity. Get curious about yourself and learn about your interests, your curiosities, your micromotives, and the activities you find yourself doing that nobody else tells you to do. In fact, these may even be interests that you did as a child that people told you to stop doing, but you love to do them anyways. Then we move to step two, which is exploration. Because you do these things without people telling you to do them, you're intrinsically motivated to keep doing that activity. And when you're having fun doing those interests, you often want to learn about the subject and get better at them. 
So now you're investing time and resources into this activity, trying to get better at them and enjoying the process. This is often when we reach step three, when these activities start to become a passion because you spend so much time learning, practicing and engaging in the world of this thing that you often start to set goals for yourself in order to get better. You also start consuming so much material and content about this subject in order to get better. You're really starting to get passionate. Now, in order to take it to the next step, which is turning it into a purpose, we have to move beyond ourselves. So you become fulfilled by what you're doing, but you know that you could do more. You expand beyond yourself and put that passion into service for other people. Now we've identified our purpose, it's time to put it into practice. So we move to step five, which is practice and mastery. And at this stage, you realize that there's going to be a few things that you need to actually put your purpose into practice. So once you have a purpose, the system demands autonomy, which is the freedom to pursue that purpose. The system also requires mastery, which is the desire to continually improve skills needed to pursue that purpose. You realize to actually use your skills to help others, you're going to have to master them fully. You dedicate yourself with grit and resilience to mastering skills that have utility and can solve real problems. And then you begin putting those skills into practice, continually trying to solve the problem and improve yourself, eventually reaching a point of creativity where you're able to create novel solutions, new ways of doing things that actually fulfill your purpose. Now the rest of this course is going to go through those exact steps in order to help you develop a purpose. The first section will focus on the discovery of the self, learning how to turn your interests into a passion. And the second portion of the course will focus on discovering things beyond the self, learning how to put that passion into service for other people and turning it into a purpose. And finally, in the last section, you'll learn how to put that purpose into practice because the only way that you're ever going to fulfill your purpose is through daily actions. And we'll discuss exactly what you need in order to do that. But I don't want to leave you hanging. If you only listen to one lesson, I want it to be this lesson. And I want you to be able to go forth and develop your purpose. So I'm going to give you a quick exercise that you can do today to rapidly start developing your purpose. The easiest way to start developing a purpose is with a list. By making a list of our interests and curiosities. Start by writing down 25 things that you're curious about. Things that if you had a spare weekend, you'd be interested in reading a couple of books on the topic, attending a few lectures, doing some activities around this thing, or having a conversation with an expert about. And when it comes to creating this list, be as specific as possible. Don't just be interested in football or punk rock or food, because these categories are too vague to be useful. Instead, be curious about the pass blocking mechanics required to play left tackle, or the evolution of political punk rock from crass to rise against or for the potential for grasshoppers to become a primary human food source in the next 10 years. This specificity is going to give your brain's pattern recognition system the raw materials it needs to make connections between ideas. So the more detailed the information, the better. Now once you've made that list, you can start hunting for intersections. So in our previous example, when we're looking at the mechanics required to play left tackle, and we're also interested in grasshoppers as a food source, you might start looking into insects as a high protein source that could be used for football players. The point is, is that any one of these curiosities by itself is usually not enough to create true passion. Instead, you want to look for places where three or four items on your curiosity list start to intersect. 
When multiple curiosity streams intersect, you not only amp up your engagement, you create the necessary conditions for pattern recognition and the linking of new ideas together. And pattern recognition is what the brain does at the very most basic level. See, when you start recognizing patterns, your brain gives you a little bit of dopamine. Dopamine allows you to focus and get laser targeted on the task at hand. It also tunes the signal to noise ratio, increasing signal, decreasing noise, and allowing you to detect more patterns. Of course, dopamine is also one of the chemicals that is going to help you feel good and drive behavior. The more dopamine you get, the more fun and addictive the experience is. And the more fun and addictive an experience is, the more you can't wait to do it again, which is what's going to help you turn these curiosities into passions. And finally, dopamine, like all the other neurochemicals, amplifies memory, which is going to help you to start to master some of these curiosities and turn them into applicable skills. Now, once you've started identifying some intersections, you can begin to play in those intersections. You can start off small by devoting just 20 to 30 minutes a day listening to podcasts, watching videos, reading books, or whatever is going to help you to start to understand some of these overlaps of interest. To return to our previous example of using insects as a protein source and the mechanics of playing left tackle, you can start studying the intersection, like what are the nutritional requirements for high performance in contact sports? And can insects satisfy those requirements? The goal here is to feed the curiosity a little bit at a time and feed them on a daily basis. This is going to tune your brain's learning software. As you gain a little bit information over time, you build a greater and greater mental model, which is going to help you with more pattern recognition and give you more squirts of dopamine along the way. Over time, this means more patterns, more dopamine, more motivation, and eventually a bit of expertise. And while you're doing this, it's usually a good idea to focus on the history of the subject that you're looking at and the technical language used to describe that subject. Now, as these curiosities become more and more interesting to you, find ways to do little exercises or activities that are engaged in what you're learning. For example, if you were really interested in becoming a coder or a developer, doing small little exercises where you try and code little things is going to help you recognize if you actually even enjoy doing this activity. If we return to our example about insects as a protein source, see if you can call up a few suppliers and find out where you could get these insects or maybe put together a business plan of how you could create a protein powder. These are activities that you're going to have to actually do if you want to pursue these things. So it's a good idea now to see if you enjoy doing them. As you're doing this, try and share it with others, going public and getting feedback. And this doesn't require doing something like giving a TEDx talk. You can just have simple conversations with strangers, teaching them about the stuff you've been teaching yourself. And do it over and over again. Talk to a different stranger, tell a friend, or join a meetup devoted to the subject. An online community, a book club, and if one doesn't exist, you could try and start your own. Here you can start to have a dialogue with them about your interests and get feedback from other people about them. You can begin sharing your expertise and connecting with others. Maybe learning about how some of the things you're learning could help solve problems of others. And you begin to amplify this passion with a little series of public successes, which is really just positive feedback from other people. Now, passion is a potent driver. Yet for all of its upside, passion can be a fairly selfish experience. Being all consumed by one of your interests or curiosities is exactly how it sounds. You're all consumed. There's not much room for other people. But if you actually want to pursue this, Sooner or later, you're going to need some outside assistance. And at this point in the process, it's time to transform the fire of a passion into the rocket fuel of what will be your purpose. 
Look, as social creatures, humans have an innate desire for connection and caring. We want to be connected to other people and we want to care for other people. At a basic biological level, we need to relate to others to survive and thrive. And as a result, are neurochemically motivated to fulfill this need. More recently, researchers have extended this notion of expanding the idea of relatedness, the need for caring and connection, into the concept of, of purpose, or the desire for what we do to matter to other people. Purpose takes all the motivational energy found in passion and gives it an extra kick. Now, when it comes to crafting your purpose, you need to dream big. This is going to become the overarching mission statement for your life. It should be large and audacious, and it should be transformative, being able to bring significant change to an industry, community, or the planet. And it should be a clear why behind the work that you're going to do. So an easy way to identify this, to take this passion, the thing that's meaningful to the self, and start to connect it to other people, is to take out another piece of paper and write down a list of 15 massive problems that you would love to see solved in the world. The things that probably keep you up at night. Hunger, poverty, protecting biodiversity, or my personal favorite, education. Next, look for the spots where your core passion intersects with one or more of these grand global challenges. A place where your personal obsession might be a solution to the collective problem. It's an overlap between your passion and what's going on in the world. If you can zero in on that target, you found a way to use your newfound passion to do some real good in the world. And that's a legitimate purpose. So for your activity today, go through this process of making a list, looking for intersections, playing and experiencing inside those intersections, going public and getting some feedback, and looking at how you can turn that passion into a purpose. Now, if you want an in-depth analysis of yourself and the problems that are going on in the world and how you can bring those two together to create a purpose, then I urge you to continue on with this course. Every lesson is exactly like the one that you heard here and is specifically designed to take you through this process of going from a curiosity and an interest, turning that into a passion, and developing that into a purpose. So I look forward to seeing you in the next lesson. Thank you for taking the How to Find Your Purpose course. To get everything you need to develop your purpose, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners, then visit plato.university slash courses slash purpose and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash purpose. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at plato.university.